You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Happy Monday, happy NCAA Tournament Week. I guess we can start that because Selection Sunday is just six days away. And it is our weekly chat with Michael Tulip here on the Alana Inquirer podcast. Joining me, Jeremy Warner, Alana Inquirer publisher. And Mike, we got a lot to talk about today, including it's happening a third game against Penn State in the Big Ten Tournament. We'll talk about Illinois' NCAA Tournament possibilities. Seem pretty locked in to a certain seed line, uh, which could make a trip to the second weekend even more difficult. But let's start with kind of the calling card of this team. Yet another crazy performance where they look terrible for one half, look fantastic for another half, but it all leads to a five-point loss at Purdue, 76-71. to Illinois down 21 points, 24 points in the, in the second half early, but down 21 points at halftime, erased that deficit to tie the game with about a minute to go, but not able to execute it. It's just another game of crazy swings for this team, Mike. How do you explain the variance of this Illini team? Well, I think you have to start with the beginning of games. Right. I think that's that's obviously been an area where they've struggled and particularly yesterday. I I don't think you can look past the fact that they didn't have a true ball handler and that impacts you getting into your stuff when you turn it over four to five times in your first five possessions. That's going to get the home crowd into it. But I've obviously given this a lot of thought uh, because there's got to be some sort of explanation for it um they play with a certain degree of aggression and freedom when they fall behind and that's not atypical of teams that have deficits and experience deficits but for some reason when they get into that mode when they're behind it completely amplifies and accentuates their talent and I guess the best way that I could put it is, you know, part of that is you have no choice but to have a collective belief to crawl back into it. And I think all of that kind of lends itself to playing the right way, playing together, having a little more freedom when you shoot the ball, um, you know, having a little more freedom to take more risks. But uh, my their issue, their other issue as well is, I see too many times on the road they walk into the kitchen and wonder if the stove is hot and they're <laughs> like, and then it's like, Oh wow. No, it is. 
of course it is. You're in Mackey. And there's too much feeling things out and just trying to figure out what type of game it's going to be when you, you have the ability to try to dictate that. And oftentimes the team that's wondering what type of game it's going to be is a team that ends up falling behind. And that's, that's one of the few things that happened yesterday. Yeah, there are so many areas we can attack with this. But I feel like I hate to put it all on, on, on one guy, but leadership from the start to me. Um, that's a big word. Maybe I'm using it, but like Terrence Shannon does not seem to have the aggression or I don't know if that's the right word, Mike, but he is, he is the guy that can lead this team. I think the best through his play and because he's a great player Um, and, and first half, he has not been very good lately. Yesterday, five turnovers in the first half gets his pocket picked. I know he's playing outside his position there, but when he's aggressive early, I feel really good about this team. When he's not, it feels like they can get punched in the mouth right away. Um, so I don't know if that's putting too much on on one player. We can get into some other fixes here, Mike. But um, man, like at times he looks like an All-American, but he hasn't in, in the first halves here recently. Yeah, and I think it's it goes back to what I think this team's overall problem is in the first half. And Terrence is obviously a big part of this team. So naturally, you can't have – your team struggling like that and then be like, well, Terrence is, he just comes out of the gates firing. Cause I think that would actually change things for the team. But I keep going back to his, his career at Texas tech. He would, this was not his role, right? Uh, He had flashes, no doubt, but him being counted on to handle the ball in the backcourt, set your offense and do things other than catch and shoot, be a dog defensively slash when you have the chance to slash is his role is expanded. So just so far beyond that. So it's it's easy to have confidence in your role that you have when it's like, hey, I do these three things. But when you're asked to do 10 things, you can't let the three things you're struggling with impact your confidence for the other seven things. So that's what he has to continue to work on. And I actually think his attitude and his body language has yeah. been good. I think there's maybe a couple guys or, or another guy on the team where his you can see he's wearing it uh, when he's struggling and um, you know, I, so, but I'll say this, the production isn't there in these first halves most times for Terrence or, or recently, but he's playing hard. Yeah. yeah I, that's no it, question. You know, sure. it's, and that's, and that's as a, as a staff, when you watch it, it's like, that's first and foremost, man. Like he's going to, he's going to eventually have enough confidence to handle it in those situations, bring the ball up. And, and there's probably going to be a, a game in the big 10 tournament or the NCAA tournament where, he has 10, 12, 14 points in the first half and is a big reason why you get jump started. So um, I'm not I'm not really worried about Terrence. I, I think his his demeanor and uh, his disposition has been great. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could say the same at that home game against Penn State back in December. I thought he was just kind of lethargic and um, ramped up his defense when it felt good. And he's been consistent with that, yeah. um, especially in the in the back half of the season. So. Uh, they need that from him yeah. because uh, whether or not he has shots going in or not, they're going to need him to defend and play with a level of uh, aggression. Yeah. Uh, my point was just like, he's not getting as many shot attempts, getting as many uh, to the rim as much. But the second half, he's been great. And some in Northwestern and, and yesterday, I thought, you know, that's like first round draft pick Terrence Shannon, like we've seen sometimes. Um, so Mike, you mentioned like just they they kind of feeling out the process. Uh, if you're Brad Underwood, 
what do you see as the trend of slow starts? And, and do you try to fix that as you head into the postseason? Do you make any changes here? I'm not sure what changes you can make. I, I think your roster is your roster right now. Um, the only other thought is rolling with that lineup that has so much success when it's in there right from the jump. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's do or die now. Uh, I'm not sure you can really afford to fall behind in the Big Ten tournament or in the NCAA tournament. So maybe you roll with that lineup now out of the gate, but what does that do to Dane Danger? Does he just become a sunk cost uh, at that at that point? And now you wonder how engaged will he be? Can he pick himself back up? Because you're going to need, whether it's 12 minutes, 15 minutes, you're going to need something from Dane Danger. Um, and you're going to need you know him to be good in those minutes. So... I, I don't know. There's that's probably the one adjustment to make. Don't, other than don't that, you other have that? It's on the players. Like it's on the players to come out and say, "Hey, we we got to set the tone here I, uh, and stop getting making teams set it." I feel like you have to make that change right now. I, I know, Mike. Like you could just you could talk about this more as a player. Um, you could lose him because I I think you were talking about body language of Dane Danger before. I'm assuming there, but. It's it's yeah it's 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 not been there and he has not played well. Uh, last four games, Illinois is a minus nine as a team. They're a minus thirty nine when he's on the court. I think it might help him if he can handle it. Um, that maybe he can see the game for a little bit, come in. But you just aren't a better team right now with him on the court, and he just hasn't looked very locked in. Well, if I start sincere Harris or if I start Ty Rogers, more likely Ty, I know I'm going to get a guy who's going to give maximum effort right from the start and and focus and all those things and i feel like that's what illinois needs more than anything is just some intensity from the get-go yeah and look for dane too it's i I was fascinated to see how he would handle this stretch it's really hard as a young kid man when you have that stretch of trace jackson davis hunter dickinson zach Eady, you're gonna take a beating because everyone does and the probably the philip rabracha's like those guys are a little bit older understand that hey this isn't a me thing Right, those guys dominating is not just on me. Uh, it's it's a team thing, but you can't you can't make it about yourself, and you can't go into this. Um, uh, you can't become a shell of yourself and, and show body language or show the emotion that he's showing. Um, and he's still making an impact in in different right. areas. It's just I I noticed that when his confidence is zapped, much like R.J. Melendez, two things happen: less physical, less athletic and those are two things that i think are assets to him when when he's on so and i think it has a ripple effect for his game Hmm. um you know you don't you don't notice his presence as much in that drop coverage maybe he's dropping back too far or he becomes so matchup conscious that now when braden smith's coming over the ball screen you're so worried about it's me zach Eady. i got to get back to zach Eady, and braden smith just turns the corner and lays it in to make it six nothing so the flip there is Coleman Hawkins switches or Coleman Hawkins corrals and gets back. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure at this point you can play around and be like, ah, like we'll see if we get off to another bad start again. Right. Um, I don't, I'm not sure you have that luxury. How about this one from Caleb? He said, can you manufacture energy early in the games with defensive changes, like pressing in the first half? I feel everything changes when we press and maybe get a little desperate uh, defensively, Mike, just to, to speed up the game a little bit. Yeah, I I still go back and forth on you know there's some people that want to press the whole game. Uh, I think the way that they're deploying it is the right way. When you feel like you have some momentum, when you feel like you got them on your heels, uh, 
I think it's a great changeup. Um, the reason why I don't like doing it at the start of a game is because you actually take away from your original matchups you've been scouting for all week. And maybe you put Coleman Hawkins or Ty Rogers in the backcourt, and now if they advance the ball, you're scrambling and you don't have the matchups you want to have, right? Jalen Pickett is a guy that now has someone on him that wasn't his original matchup. So you can get selective with it. Um, I think that's the way to do it. I, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Brad Underwood sprinkle it in a little bit more. But I think you have to have the right lineup out there. The reason why I don't think you can do it to start is because I think you need Sincere Harris out there. And I don't think he's going to start the game. So I, it's a great changeup to have, especially when Sincere is in the game, because he's just he's great hounding him. I think him and Ty are, are really great in tandem in that backcourt. So that's just, that's just not going to happen at the beginning of the game. So I understand the thought, and I like the thought, because I think you've seen good things happen from it. But it's a mixture of understanding you have the momentum, understanding it's used as a changeup. Maybe you spring it on a team by surprise. Um, but you don't want them – you don't want to come out of the game right away and have them get into a rhythm, breaking the press, and getting hit ahead, especially against Penn State. That's what killed you against them the first time. Right? Like at home, they just advanced the ball, and Seth Lundy was taking threes, Dreads taking threes. That is the last team you want to have break a press on you and just get wide open looks. So I think you're, you're solid in the half court. Um Communication is going to be key against those guys, uh, but use it as a changeup. Yeah, uh, and Andrew Funk gets going too. Like that's that's one yeah. thing about this: you can't let him get going early. Can't let yep. can't, can't dig that's a hole. It. And then because then it's over. Yeah, then it's over. We've seen that. Yeah, we've seen it twice already this season. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, there were some positives in this game because the second half was tremendous. It's what makes this team equally enticing and frustrating is the second half they looked like they can beat anybody in the country obviously did not execute uh, in the final minute there but to give yourself a chance to win at Mackey Arena against the Big Ten champion what went right in the second half that was so different than the first half well I, I mentioned at the beginning there's a different psychology to it and that psychology ends up lending itself to what this team is right they, they start shooting a little bit better they start attacking a little bit more they make better reads they're more aggressive defensively it's it's a really curious case but I but I thought some of the positives Coleman Hawkins that's the first guy I think of um but also I think Luke Goody deserves a lot of credit because and we'll get into the Coleman Hawkins side of it but I thought Luke was great being the guy that comes over you forget he's six seven and that he has some size to him so when he's coming over as that trapper uh he he's has such good ball skills and reads that you know he can pick out where the ball is going, where they're turning, where to shade. 
uh, and that allows him to to play with with the smarts that he has. And uh, RJ, I, th- I thought was tremendous all game. Yeah, uh, Fletcher Fletcher Lawyer was over four from the field, a complete non factor, and that's all from from RJ. And even when Brandon when he got Brandon Newman, Brandon Newman became a non factor. Um, that emergence has been so important. And um, I mentioned Goody, I mentioned Rogers as well. Rogers, Goody, and Melendez turning the corner a little bit has helped, I think, mask the struggles of Danger and Epps. I know Epps mm-hmm. hasn't been playing, but um, you're in a much worse spot if Luke's not playing and Ty's still kind of early season Ty and RJ's still a shell of himself. Like, I think that has all kind of coincided. Um, and there's no surprise there. I think when you go, sm- I say smaller, Coleman's taller than Dane, right. but that smaller lineup gives more opportunity to, to RJ. And Epps being out has also had RJ play more. And when you play more, you have a little bit more confidence in your game. So, um, but they did a lot. I thought attacking and um, Coleman was just was just so good. A lot of the passes he made, the reads that he made, um, the work he did against Ed. It was uh, those are all things that I think you can build on. And I think if you get an, even an average shooting game from Matt Meyer, you may be coming out with the win yesterday. Yeah, Coleman Hawkins. I just I was looking at this while you're talking. I was listening to you, Mike, but I was just doing this because I did the plus minus for Danger the last four games. Um, here's Hawkins. <clears throat> the plus minus is not always telling but i do think over a wider range right of games a bigger sample size it is purdue plus 12 michigan plus six ohio state minus eight northwestern plus four uh and then minnesota plus 14 what makes him so valuable when he's on the court i I tweeted yesterday my admiration for him and his game and i think what you saw was a microcosm Right, his presence and his absence were equally felt yesterday, and there was no, I guess, more telltale sign of it than what you saw. He gets subbed out of the game; they go on a run, and you know he comes into the game and, and plays and has 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 his imprint all over it. And they go on a run to tie the game. So, no player is free from criticism, um, and there are plenty of plays plenty of decisions that he makes that you can nitpick, whether it's the shot selection turnovers. Um, but yeah, if I wanted to nitpick yesterday, it was like, I thought he could have shot more. I, th- I thought he could have shot some open looks, but he also created extremely well for his teammates. So yeah. And look like those little things, if you want to nitpick, like that's, that's fair. I, all that's fair. But the thing that you can't refute is his value Yeah. for this. Like you just, at this point, if you're, you know, if you, if you, want to point to well I because that was the thing yesterday all the people that were responding to me were pointing out like well I wish he'd shoot more it's like well if he shot it you'd wish that he drove more because mm-hmm. uh, that was the whole thing earlier I, I get I get good shots or, or good but like he he has had so much growth where when you think about that Northwestern game late shot clock chance to do what he did earlier in the season gets all the way to the basket 23-13 yesterday late shot clock dancing with it a little bit gets all the way to the rim hits a little floater like that to me, that's growth, and I, like, commend the kid for growth when you're yep. when you're saying like, "Hey, we want you to stop taking those shots." He's recognizing that, but I, you know, I'll, I'll say this: he did such a tremendous job on Edie, and usually physicality is the first thing that you think of if you're stopping a guy like Zach E. But he was able to to really make things difficult on Edie with his acumen, and guys that have success that are undersized on Edie, it's doing what Coleman Hawkins did and it's being able to see what is materializing first 
and how he can shade and how he can play angles um, to at least make things uncomfortable for Zach Eady. So my, the best example or one of the examples would be, hey, I'm Coleman Hawkins. Zach Eady is the second screener on a stagger on the baseline for Fletcher Lawyer. Okay, what does this mean? And he's processing this in real time, okay? Most bigs are opening up a window or trying to help out because Fletcher Lawyer is a shooter. We've talked all week. He's a shooter. Coleman knows. He's coming off. First option is catch and throw it in to Edie. So most guys, they'll come out and help. Now they're on the top side of Edie. Now that's room for him to root you up the lane. And now since that pass hasn't been made, it's middle of the floor. You can't help. No trap can come over. Pass over the top, Edie dunk. And Coleman is processing it in real time and saying, okay, if, if it's emergency, yeah, maybe I'll go out and show help. But now what I'm going to do is shade to the side where if he gets this catch, he wants to turn to that left shoulder. I'm going to prevent him from doing that. And he does all that early. And it's he wasn't – like this wasn't Coleman Hawkins just fighting and fronting the whole time or three quarters. He was laying behind, but he was playing the angles. Mm-hmm. And that's where is Luke Goody? Where is Ty Rogers? And how can I shade and use the geometry here to get them to have a more seamless trap. And he's doing all of that with his acumen. And and that may not be things that fans see in, yeah. in the moment, but it's a big, big, big factor. And it's the reason why I'll, I'll pause the film when we do the film review, and you got Zach Eady like falling over, throwing a shot yeah. over his head, which he just doesn't do much. And that's not because Coleman Hawkins is like some beast and, and, and matching his size, it's because when you play the angles, then Edie doesn't know where to distribute his weight. So he's off balance. And that's really, that's all you need. So I, and then the last play that I'll mention too, this is one that on the film, I'm like, oh my God, it just, it gets me so excited. They run this zoom action, which Northwestern runs, but Zach Edie is setting the screen. You got Braden Smith setting the pin down on the, on really under the basket for Fletcher Lawyer to come off. Okay, there is probably seven feet of separation between Terrence Shannon and Fletcher Lawyer. Terrence is beat. Coleman turns his head, sees it, even though he has Zach Eady, says, this is an emergency switch. So not only does he switch out on Fletcher Lawyer, as Fletcher Lawyer is catching, he is trained that if he sees the big pop out, Eady's got a mismatch, throw it into Eady. When he goes to throw it, Coleman swats it out of his hand, backs him up, pressures him at 27 feet lawyers on his heels Harris has the tag on Edie now Shannon has to switch to Edie the second lawyer lets go of the ball and passes it immediately Coleman's going back to Terrence telling him to switch back too loud in there Terrence doesn't hear him so now Fletcher he's got to stay on Fletcher lawyer Fletcher gets the ball back tries to take him off the dribble levels him off crosses back (laughs) over levels him off again travel 65-61 you get the ball back you think he's pretty good. That's, that's, what that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like you, If you want to point to counting numbers, shot selection, turnovers that he makes, fair. You, pro- yeah. you can probably take some of those points. But don't talk to me about his overall value because it's things like that. It's reasons like that where if Coleman Hawkins isn't on this team, you may be on the bubble. Zach E was three of nine in the second half with Coleman <laughs> Hawkins on him, giving up five inches and 80 pounds. And I was amazed, not only could he hold his spot on the court against him, but he walled him off, forced tough shots. Zach got him on one at the end there with a minute left. Like, great job. Um, but 
it seems like Coleman knew where he was going before Zach did uh, on most of those yeah. things. So for some really tough shots, I thought it was a phenomenal performance. He's not only guarding the most dominant center, one of the most dominant centers in college basketball history, Mike, with the yeah. season he's having, but he's also playing point guard. Like, he's doing it. I mean, no, he's doing it all. And like, I, I get, and I'm the first guy to tell you that, you know, they used to say this in high school, Bennett Academy, Dave Sobolewski played for Northwestern and Frank Kaminsky, obviously went to Wisconsin. They play on the same high school team. And every time I watch a broadcast in college and they're like, Frank Kaminsky played point guard in high school, <laughs> which just really wasn't true because it was Sobolewski, but Sobolewski sometimes was pretty good. Frank Kaminsky would bring the ball up. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's a point guard. Coleman, there's a reason he leads his team in assists. Like when he gets, it's not just about him bringing the ball up. It's about when he's at the top of the key, he's orchestrating everything. When he's rubbing his chest and that triggers a double flare for to get it out to Meyer who gets fouled on a shot. Like he's processing all that. He makes a great read to Melendez to, to you know, I think make it 62-53. Um, but uh, again, he just he just keeps playing. And, and he's... He, he's willing to continue to take risks. And sometimes that turns that makes people that maybe aren't as high on him feel vindicated when he turns mm-hmm. it over. Um, but by and large, the full body of work, like, don't talk to me about that. Don't, don't like just, there's a reason he plays 49 minutes against Michigan. There's a reason he's out there. It was basically shelved for the last seven minutes of the half and still played 29 minutes in the game. Mm-hmm. Like there's his value is, any, any anybody it's the reason why Underwood talks about it all the time um like if you didn't have that value you wouldn't play as much right. Underwood wants to win like obviously he's rolling roll with the guys that give him the best chance to win yeah Mike and I will do our VIP film room after this I, I think we're gonna see a lot of Coleman Hawkins in that so for your yeah. VIP members you can check that out and uh, if you're not a VIP member it's just one dollar for your first month and Michael Tulip's film rooms are well worth it uh Mike let's get to before we get to the Big Ten tournament postseason you mentioned it. Coleman Hawkins was playing the point guard. Terrence Shannon had to play some point yesterday. Didn't go very well in the first half. Jade Knapp's out. Don't know when he's going to come back. Sky Clark not on this team right now. Can this team get around, scheme around its lack of a lead guard right now? I mean, I think if anything sinks them, it's going to be that. Um, now, I do think that they're strong enough in other areas. that. Uh, but what's plaguing them is is late game. And which is why you can't just let a team house you for an entire half. Um, understand. And part of that is contributed because they don't have a lead guard. That's why you're getting housed at times. Um, but just understanding that you got to be, you know, you're going to have to be creative. Um, have Rogers and Hawkins dribble the ball up, have Rogers and Hawkins. Cause like, you know, it's likely that like last game, you're going to have a guy guarding him. That's, maybe a big or a guy that wouldn't pressure you in the backcourt. Um, but, or, and then you also have sincere as well, but mm-hmm. um, when they get in the half court, they, they really have to be sharp and they have to limit the live ball ones. I think every guy that played yesterday had those live ball turnovers and, the, and those are going to happen from time to time, but just, just limiting the runouts and also just telling yourself, Hey, the time to take risks like let's let's make sure we get our feet under us in the first five minutes, right? Let's run good offense. Let's set the table. That's the time to really say, hey, we can't let this let a team start feeling good and give them, you know, fast break opportunities. Especially a team like Penn State, they start spraying it around, making threes. It, it's going to be hard to to come back on those guys. So 
Um, yeah, it's certainly an issue. I, I don't know how I don't know how you could sidestep that one. Um, but if, if they do get sound play, and, and this is what I'll say about Terrence Shannon. Is Terrence Shannon the guy that you want bringing the ball up in the backcourt? Maybe not, because even when he dribbles with his right hand, he wants to get back to his left. I think I think defenders know that. Right. But I do think that in the half court, him and Coleman Hawkins are your two best decision makers. Yeah. I, I think he's been really good when he gets downhill, plays off of two feet. You know, he he almost had a dump off to Danger yesterday. Danger just decided to stand in the short corner and not go to the basket when Edie helped uphill. But you, you also have, you know, a couple of dump offs to Ty Rogers in the Northwest or in the Michigan game. I think he's good making those reads, dribble in, kickouts. Uh, he had another one to Melendez yesterday that uh, Melendez didn't convert on, but just good reads. And and that's really all you got to do. Let's let's not get pressured so much in the backcourt, alleviate that pressure, get into the half court. Let's make sound decisions to start the game. Let's give ourselves a chance. Like, yeah. let's give ourselves a chance in the beginning of the game. Too many times, I mean, I'm sitting there in the first half and it's, you know, 40 to 23. And I'm like, I, I just want to see just, a, can I see a normal game? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Right, like, and and if you're Illinois, you're like, man, we kind of wish we were playing a normal game too. Yeah, we, like, do we really want to do this every single game? It takes a lot of energy, man. Like, yeah. I, I think about the the energy you have to expend doing that. I don't know if it's different than an entire game of it, Mike, but just think about some of the wins they could have had if they, if they didn't bury themselves um, like this early in games. Because you, you can come back from Northwestern and win that one, but you can't do that against even better teams like we're seeing against Purdue. No, you can't, and. I think it, it it also doesn't give you a fair assessment on film as well. It's like, you know, I think the second half is is much more indicative of, hey, this is the team we can be. This is why I think Brad Underwood was um, so encouraged after the game. And the last thing I'll say, too, is you've heard some encouraging things from him. And I, I tend to agree that this team has grown a lot. And I think most times we think about a team's growth um, as just like this linear path that always results in wins. Uh, because I, let's be honest, past four years, that's what you're accustomed to, right? Oh, you do the right thing, you win in the Big Ten. And this, it always goes back to, like I said, I've said it many times, the reason why the highs are so high with this team and you can have a 24-point comeback in the second half is because of the talent level. Yep. And because of the matchups that they present. But the lows are, are low because you still just can't skip steps, man. You're still a young team. You're still an inexperienced team when it comes to playing together. I mean, it's still year one for all these guys playing with this group. Um, it's why the floor is probably a little bit higher for Northwestern. Those guys have played together yeah. for a long time. So you need to recognize that as players and understand, like, we don't have the luxury of just coming out here all willy-nilly and, and figuring it out. Like when they do have that collective belief together, when they need to have a comeback and play together, they're they look like a top five team in the country. Yeah. So that's what gets you encouraged. And I think now when it's do or die and their backs now your back is permanently against the wall. So we'll see what team we get. Can I ask you one more quick one before we talk about the Big Ten tournament? Yeah. I don't I don't know the answer to this question. What is what is the line to cross with shot selection with Matthew Meyer? Because I don't think I could tell him, yeah, don't shoot. Because he's he's your best shooter. He's been your most consistent scorer. One of ten yesterday, it's easy to second guess those. If he makes one of those, we're thinking he's a hero. Um I, I just thought, you know, defensively he wasn't very good in the first half yesterday. Um, second half scored. I thought he was better attacking the basket, but 
went to my so he's made those other times so my i'm just asking you like if you're a coach do you even have those conversations because matthew meyer can can carry you if he makes three or four of those if you're a coach do you have those conversations with matthew meyer no <laughs> and that's not to say that you're neglecting shot selection and all that he's proven at this point that he's a tough shot maker the last thing that you want him to do is have a feeling from the staff that he has to question ones that he is shooting yeah um you roll with it at this point man. i agree you ride um, or die <laughs> you you have to because the the reality is too he had a lot of opportunities yesterday mm-hmm. um i think he had a chance 61 65 i think he had a chance um he obviously had the one when it was a four-point game 71 67 probably want to get to the basket this but the thing with matt is like this is a guy that has gone on record saying oh analytically just prevent threes and jack threes um i mean that's come from his mouth uh so i you, he told, he told me gonna, he reluctantly goes to the rim which is which to me is crazy because this is a guy that's shooting 54 percent from two um I think he's 63 for 117. And every single time it feels like he gets around the basket, something good happens. It was 4-4 yesterday. He had 5-7 from the free throw line. So I, that's what I don't understand. If if he's an analytics guy, then yeah, sure, take out – maybe you first thing you would take out is the mid-range. Yeah. But for him, it's got to be a balance of, of getting to the basket. Because then it's like when he gets to the basket, you're like, oh, he is 6'9". Because yeah. I'm saying he's just finishing over guy, and he's athletic, and, and he he created for people. Yes, I think Coleman got a three off one of his uh, dribble drives. I don't remember, but yep. you can get a step in three for a Luke Goody or an R.J. Melendez or a Coleman Hawkins. Maybe those are open Josh shots. Pass to Jane Danger for the dunk, right? As well in the second half, like I, good things happen when he gets to the paint. And I think if there's going to be a conversation, that's the one that it has to be. Yeah, is like it can't be from a place of hey, don't. It's got to be from the place of like. Dude, look what you're doing from two, 54%. Like, play into the numbers guy thing with him. Yeah. If he's going to be this numbers guy, then feed him with numbers. Be like, oh, my God, man. Analytically, look at look at you, man. Look at you around the rim. Look at your free throw percentage. He's he's shooting 70% at the rim. Yes. like, I, I, And he's, he's athletic enough to get by, guys. He did it yesterday. And... Only Hawkins and Danger are better. This yeah, there has, there has to be... A balance with him are you gonna get it in these last few games of the, of the season i don't know but but i do know that if there is any conversation to be had then you got to understand who you're talking to as players right i'm talking to matt meyer the math the mathematician yeah. right so how am i going to get across to him with math so that's 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 the conversation if there were to be one that's the one that i would have just feeding feeding his math right so yeah, I don't know. There's in terms of like having him pump the brakes. No, this is this is the time where be like, hey man, you're a guy. If you thought that night, <laughs> if you thought that light was green, it's actually neon green. Yeah. Um, yeah. double down because he's a guy that can win you a Big Ten tournament game. He's a guy that can win you uh, an NCAA tournament game too. Because I think he does do enough things to where he's not solely the one that's shooting you out of games. Right. Um, there were opportunities. He actually had a lot of really open looks yesterday. Yeah. Um, And I had a buddy text me that's like, what's the deal with Matthew Meyer open and not open? And I said, it's less about open and not open. And it's more about off the dribble and catch and shoot. Mm -hmm. Because you can, there's something about getting your feet set. And when you can dictate off the dribble, 
because it's already in your pocket. Um, when you have catch and shoot, it's it's really predicated off the pass, how you're going to align your feet or where the ball is at. That's that's just as a shooter. A lot of guys, it's just like a rhythm thing. It's it's crossover right, cross back left, step back. I mean, that's yeah. that's just like. And you're saying he's be- he's better uh, create for himself than yes. catch and shoot. Yeah, he is because because he can predict where the rhythm is coming from and where the ball is going to be in his pocket, how he's going to get it off, what space he's getting. There's a little bit less of that when you get catch and shoot because it's the pass. It's, it's are your feet set? Are you coming in inside foot? Right, right, left, left, right. So I don't know. We, it's just probably too much analysis on it. I love but it. There's, there's something to it. No, ride with him. Uh, he, he, 100%. He's the guy that can help you beat a, a potential one seed or two yeah. seed uh, in the second round. All right, Mike. Um, Big Ten tournament starts this weekend. Illinois ties for fifth in the Big Ten. That's four straight top five finishes for them in the Big Ten under Brad Underwood. Hasn't been done since 99 through 2007. So I think that is an accomplishment for this team. But they get the seventh seed in the Big Ten tournament. And, of course, it's Jalen Pickett and Penn State fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. It's not an 11 a.m. game, which might be a positive for this team, but it is one of the toughest matchups they've had all year, of course. So what do you think of this path? What do you think of the opportunities for Illinois in the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, obviously you get another shot at Penn State. And, and I don't care, no matter who your matchup is, you're playing with a, you're playing against a team that is like one of three things. Either is really good or has everything to play for because they're on the bubble or they're trying to solidify a bid like Penn State is or the team that has nothing to lose, like, uh, you know, uh, Ohio State, you know, th- those types of teams. So no matter who you play, there's no, like, perfect matchup. Like, oh, great, we get this team at this time. It, I, I don't really believe in that, that it's like, oh, this team is was 4-16 and 16 this year in conference. They're just not going to bring in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, the like, only think, team I would say, like, I love the matchup right now would be Rutgers, but they're fighting for their NCAA tournament lives, right? Like, And have older guys, like, that's, you know, so, look – Communication. I mentioned it with this with this Penn State team. Um, cannot bust switches. I, I thought they switched probably too much at Penn State, but this is like a full circle game, man. Go, go back to how everyone was feeling. I think that was the fart noise after after Penn State, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you can kind of see how far you've come, and and this is a great litmus test to to see like, man, this is the team that's that's really giving you fits all year. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I guess Indiana is the other one, but those are the only two teams that swept you. Right. Um, I think I, yeah. I, I would imagine that's, that's right. And, I, and I'd say too, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but whether it's eight minutes, 12 minutes, 14 minutes, you need good Dane danger minutes. You just, you know, cause I think it bodes well moving forward. I, I honestly, I don't know if this is a Dane danger game either. Um, just with how matchups, how, yeah, matchups. That's it's tough. Um, so so we'll see how that plays out. But uh, you get through Penn State, you you get another shot at a quad one opportunity um, to bolster your resume. And I, I honestly, I, I mentioned it. We talked about it yesterday. I would have preferred Michigan win that game. I'm not sure it would have mattered with Northwestern how that shakes out. But you get Indiana as the eight nine to play Purdue. I get you're like, oh, well, like what if? Well, if you lose that game, it's a quad one loss. Yeah. Um, you're looking right now at Penn State, who's a quad two, and I don't know, like that's like you, a win does nothing for you, probably, and a loss may 
throw you back another line. Right. Um, so I, whereas you have a real, you have a really good chance in my opinion to go up two seeds if you beat Indiana and Purdue. Like I think if, if you played Indiana in that eight, nine game, you win that game and then you, and then you knock off Purdue, which I honestly think this team would have if they got the shot at them um, for that double buy. And then you're probably a six to be honest. And then who knows from there, you get into the semis and you end up winning the whole thing. I, who knows how far you can climb, but Q2 opportunity against Penn State, and then you got another one, another Q1 against Northwestern, which, you know, those are those are two yeah. winnable games, no question. What do you do with Jalen Pickett? Well, I think you've got a first game was just him backing you down mercilessly and, and laying it in. I thought you adjusted well. He's, in my opinion, he's not going to have the explosion he had at Penn State. Mm-hmm. That was that was a complete and total tip your cap game. Um, the shots that he hit, even when Dane Danger was out there, those were all step back threes on Dane. Um, I don't foresee that, but you you also can't let just because you get a little less Jalen Pickett in this game, this can't be like more Andrew Funk and more Seth Lundy right. and these guys all making. Ken Winter's been fantastic the past few weeks. He's just been great late game. He closed it out against Northwestern. He closed it out against Maryland. Um, this is a team that's that's won five of six, I think. Um, playing pretty well. I think they so can make I, noise in the tournament. Like if, yeah, if they got and in, I, man. and I think they're a team that you win. It's not. It's I. I say it doesn't do much for you. It probably doesn't do much for you, but um, it's still a win against a tournament team, which is which is what you want. So um, obviously you have to limit picket. Um, we'll see who draws that assignment. My guess is out of the gates, it's Terrence. Um, right. Maybe you see Coleman on him. You know, I don't. Like, I know. I'd I know, like to see is Ty I know for a fact. I know for a fact who's going to get it when he's in the game. Ty. So if they do switch up the starting lineup, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ty on him. I, I want to um, see that from the start. Like that. That's yeah. the other reason I'd like to start Ty. This yeah. game is. I, I just think he's the guy I want on Pickett because yeah. he can match his physicality. He's got more length than Jalen Pickett, um, and he's just responsible defensively. Now, yeah. getting in foul trouble could be a concern, but then you could put Terrence or Coleman, whoever you want, on him. I, I would. I would. Start Ty from the start, yeah. Yeah, and nothing against Ty, but if Ty gets two early fouls, that's probably better than Terrence or Coleman. Correct. Getting it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably all the more reason to go with this lineup that's been working with you because we've talked about it, man. It's do or die at this point. Mike, as you said, I don't know how much is going to be gained from that game, so you want to win two probably in this to to get up to maybe a seven because otherwise it looks like they're pretty surely locked into an eight-nine right now. Yeah, and the last point I'll make before we we move to the NCAA tournament is – the one thing you're not dealing with as the eight nine or the or the or I guess as the eight nine or the six no the eight nine or four six, or five yeah. the six or the five is you're not playing a team that already won a game yeah because the last uh, I believe the last seven Big Ten tournaments that have been played five have made it have gone Wednesday to Friday mm-hmm. and that was Penn State last year. It was Nebraska in 19, Rutgers in 18. It was Illinois, Illinois? in 16. Yeah. And it was uh it was Penn State again in 15. So, and I think there's there's a couple teams here, whether it's Wisconsin, whether it's Ohio State, Nebraska. I mean, there's there's a couple teams that are ripe. No one wants to, to play Nebraska right now. To go and to go and play on Friday. So um you at least don't have that working against you where you're playing uh, you know, I think well, I think Nebraska, Penn State, and Wisconsin would all be Q two. Um, Nebraska might be Q3. I, I, I don't know for sure, but 
Um, but getting to the to the seedings, here's my breakdown for you. Oh, we okay. got the Wasua breakdown NCAA tournament. Let's go. Here's my breakdown for you. Why I think that, you know, depending on it, you know whether or not you get off the eight nine, is in my opinion probably a little bit of what you do and and probably more what happens around the country. It probably needs to be a little bit of both. No question about it, but yeah. Cause um, I saw Illinois started like the weekend number nine on some people and moved up to an eight. Yeah. I think if anybody tuned in, they're like, Oh, if they, if they only tuned into the second half, they're like, Oh wow. Okay. We see what this team can be, but you have to look around the country. Right. So let's, let's walk through all the eight and nines. All right. So that's, Mizzou, Memphis, Maryland, Florida Atlantic, Arkansas, Boise, Providence. So what are their matchups? Because that's equally as important. When I talk about Indiana and Purdue potentially being a path for Illinois in the Big Ten tournament, Q1 games doesn't hurt you as much. Mizzou has the double bye to play likely Tennessee, who's a top five team in the net. So... They have one of two things. Either absolutely nothing happened to them if they if they lose to Tennessee, or they move up um, if they if they beat Tennessee, most likely. Memphis. Now, all right, on the eight nine line, you either have teams that have opportunities to move up or down, or you have these kind of mid-major, high mid-majors that are have to pretty much win their conference tournament. Um, or if they don't and they lose early, they're gonna probably get thrown back a seed. So that's you know Memphis has SMU or UCF. Memphis lose that lose that game. They get probably thrown back. Um, Maryland has Nebraska most likely, uh, so that could move Maryland a little bit, uh, but also a win for them doesn't do much. You got Florida Atlantic. Uh, you know if they get bounced in in their opener, they're they're dropping. Uh, Arkansas here's here's to me here's the story. Okay. Avoid Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas plays Auburn. Auburn is a Q1 matchup for Arkansas, meaning not much is going to happen to Arkansas, and if they get the win, it's another Q1 win. Mm-hmm. But even more important than that is forget the eight nines. If you're going to move up, you need a seven to drop back, most likely. Because if a seven moves up, a six is going to move back. Mm-hmm. So here are the sevens. And this is why I think it's going to be really hard for Illinois is because when I mentioned Arkansas playing Auburn as a Q1, Texas A&M has a double block, double buy to play the winner of Arkansas-Auburn. So no matter what, Arkansas is either going to lose to Q1, beat a Q1, or have another shot at a Q1 and beat Texas A&M and move up. So that's what makes it hard. The other, the other three sevens in Lenardi's bracket are Iowa, yep. who I'm looking there. You, I mean, there's a chance they play... Ohio State, or they're, they're going to play Ohio State or Wisconsin, Q2 regardless. Um, so they have a chance to get hurt a little bit. They can get sent back. So if you make some noise, maybe that's maybe that's your avenue right there. You and I will flip. And then the other one that I'll mention too is you may be playing for the seven seed against Northwestern. Right. Like if Northwestern is on that line and they're teetering and you're, you've moved yourself up a little bit, um, then maybe you're playing for a seven seed against those guys. Because then you guarantee yourself if you win that game, another Q1 opportunity. Likely against Indiana. Looking at so, the looking at the bracket matrix, Mike. A lot of that eight seven stuff is probably gonna be sorted out at the Big Ten tournament. Michigan State seven, Northwestern seven, Iowa seven, Illinois eight, Maryland eight. Yep, yep. And then the last one that I'll mention is Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky's got a double bye. 
uh, and they are either going to play Vandy, LSU, or Georgia. Vandy is the highest one out of those three teams in the net, and they're 82, which is a Q2 game on a neutral. So Kentucky's – unless Kentucky they, – they have a chance they get a Q2 loss as well. But I feel like they've, they've really enhanced their image so much here in the second half of the season – that I, I don't I I think they're higher. There's there's seven almost six in my opinion, so they're not teetering. Northwestern to me and I were the ones that are teetering. So you probably need some Big Ten teams, including yourself, to do some damage to get off that eight nine line. Great breakdown as always, Michael. All Tope, over the place. In tune. That's that's par for the course. Well, I, I, I just want I want to look at your notes, all the notes that you got scribbled down there. He's, he's been doing some homework. Uh, Michael Tuop, appreciate the time as always. We will record our film room soon, so people check that out on the VIP side of things at IlliniInquire dot com. Uh, Michael Tuop, always thanks for making this basketball smarter, man. Appreciate it, man. Great stuff as always from Michael Tuop. Tomorrow on the podcast, you are going to get. Mr. March Madness himself, potentially. Matthew Meyer. Had a conversation with him late last week. Uh, that'll be on the podcast tomorrow. I had a fun chat with him. Uh, talked to him about the art of isolation, uh, which I think is an interesting topic after the Purdue game. But I find Matt just absolutely fascinating. And I think uh, you will enjoy the chat I had with him because he is so important for what this team is going to do in the postseason over the coming weeks. But appreciate you as always for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and review if you could as well. That really helps us out. Check us out on our YouTube channel. We've been going live with Michael Tulip each week. We've been going live after our post-game pods. I love doing that and the interaction with you guys. So go check us out there. Give us a like and subscribe to us on YouTube as well. And of course, check out all the latest Illini Inquire content at IlliniInquire.com. Much more on Illinois basketball, Illinois football, Illinois women's basketball, and all the spring sports going on as well. Everybody, have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquire podcast. Bye, everybody. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.